I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and the Wi-Fi password is Cherry Jones, but all the E's are threes. And my name is Colin Drucker, and I am fine, and smart, and worth it. <laughs> Yay! I, I, can I tell you, I was like sweating over which quote to pick because there are a lot. There are I, a lot of really good ones from this movie. I changed my I changed my decision a few times. Uh, yeah, yes. The, the other one that I was going to use was "We can hug," but uh, that almost felt like. Do you even remember? Do you remember that one? Do you remember that line? We can hug. Oh, oh, Matt. Matt. Yes. yes. After <clears throat> that, yes, I love that, and I I like to think that that was ad libbed as well too. Right. I feel like it just right. Was. And it was really, I think, uh, one of my favorite moments in the movie. And I can't believe that it was my nemesis, you know, my you yeah, know, frenemy, my yeah, frenemy. I, uh, I mean, no, I do not know him. This is not like an episode of Last Culture. He says we didn't go to NYU together. Um, no, he's younger than me. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, I I normally he's not my my cup of soup on Last Culturistas, but he had that moment. He had a couple moments. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, folks. This week we are here to talk about the BS gays of Fire Island. Ugh, I'm so excited to talk about it. I, my my almost backup line was, "I'm not flying Spirit for you, bitch," because mm. <laughs> that made me cackle because Spirit it's true. sucks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny I've, because it's true. Yeah, I've never flown it, but it was one of my backup options when I was stranded in Fort Lauderdale last year. <gasps> oh my. And I like—I don't know if that would have been a pro or a con. Yeah, but yeah, I ended up, you know, canceling it. Lost the money. Didn't care. Figured it was still better to lose the money and not fly Spirit. You know. Yep. Yeah, it's fine. It's like, it's like the mega bus of flying. It's yeah, like it'll get you there. It's it's clean. Um, they—I mean, mega bus doesn't really charge you too much, but um, you know, they get you with the baggage. It's like you don't have to pay for it. like the flight, the, the seats. What am I trying to say? The tickets. Jesus. Um. Oh, are very yeah. cheap, but then mm-hmm. the baggage is like crazy, and the seats are uncomfortable. Never fly anywhere if you have to go longer than an hour in spirit. Is my advice. That's smart. I agree with that, <clears throat> and I think that's uh, well. I, I there are like uh, rumblings that JetBlue is going to buy Spirit, and that would Ooh. be I think potentially wonderful because JetBlue, even though she was a part of the Fort Lauderdale debacle, she's also how I got home. So. Um, and got gave, those TVs. Yep, you know. and gave me flight credits. So uh, I'm still, you know, I'm still true blue. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Fire yeah. Island. Um, and I'll I'll say, you know, for anyone who is a crossover listener from All Right Mary, yes, Johnny and I also just put out a Fire Island episode earlier this week. And there was a part of me that was like, oh my god, am I going to just kind of be like 
repeating myself over and over. And A, I don't even remember what I said on that podcast because I just, you know, I'm just stoned. I don't remember anything. It's fine, you know. <laughs> but also, I just watched Fire Island again today, and I feel like I have a totally different opinion of it now. Same. I watched it on, like, Saturday with Keon, and then I watched it, like, as I was working today when it was slow, and I... I'm so excited. I really loved it. I, I I liked it in so many ways. I can't wait to talk about these performances. I mean, the parallels between Pride and Prejudice. Oh. I'm also so glad that I made... I'm sure you would have been fine had you not seen, you know, the 2005 Keira Knightley uh, Pride and Prejudice, which everyone should, let's be honest. But I'm so glad that you know this uh-huh. stuff now. I just feel... I was like, oh, God. I'm like, thank you, me, yeah. for making you watch that. Can you believe it, girls? I made him watch Pride and Prejudice. Guess who's proud? Not prejudiced, though. <laughs> I accidentally wore that Diana Ross, yeah, yeah, uh, Diana Ross was... wig. It's a, you know, it was a mistake. So. <laughs> that was what was running through my head was her in the wig. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, she's on um, She's on Z-Way. Yes. I, I don't know what episode it's on, but I keep seeing that clip pop up, and they they bring that up, and that I need to I need to watch it. And Katya is too. So oh, because, Katya is. Oh, you know, yes. I think didn't you assign me that clip for my assignment on best on the after show? Um, I think I, uh, I assigned you an episode of Z Way. Oh. oh wait, oh you talking? Yeah, no, you but did not not the Luann one because I didn't know which one it was yet. But then yeah. I saw clips for Katya, and I got really excited too. So I no, I up. I took the initiative. I think that's what it was. But that was another look at all. Look at all the good you do. That was another path you paved because you would assign yeah. the earlier episode to me. You know? Yes, I know. It's just. Uh... My shoulders hurt from, you know, <laughs> bearing the weight of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, the weight of this podcast. Soon the weight of the world, you know? Yeah. Um, it's Atlas. all a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, he shrugs. Yeah, anyway, he shrugs. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't seem so heavy to me, bud. <laughs> so tell me, I mean, I guess just from the time you watched it the first time to the time you watched it the second time, like what changed for you? Um, how did you en- How did you like Fire Island? So or I did mean, like it? I so this is not going to be a come from away gag. I now after watching it twice, really like this movie. I yeah. really, really like it. I really appreciate it. I think it is doing a lot more than I wanted to give it credit for because I wanted to be a crab in the sand about it. You know, I wanted to just be. You know, like, oh, well, oh, here's all these, like, you know, six packs on the beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's, and it's just going to be, like, remixes and house parties and drugs, and I'm not going to identify with any of it. More like, mm-hmm. I, or, you know, I'm not going to identify with any of it slash feeling a sense of not good enough FOMO, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's really nail the, you know, what this is about. It was like, oh, it's just, sure. this movie's going to make me feel bad about myself, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And so I went in the first time watching it, I think, with that on of like, I dare you to make me like you. And I came out of it going, okay, all right, I'm disarmed. This was, you know, and I kind of knew we were going to talk. I don't know. I don't remember if I watched it. I did know we were going to record an episode on All Right, Mary before I watched it. So I was like going in knowing I'd be talking about this a lot, you know? And yeah. so I felt like I had to pay attention and kind of like absorb it and not just write it off. So I definitely got a lot out of it the first time. But I think this time around, it was like I saw more of the details. I saw more mm-hmm. of like that this was both with the Pride and Prejudice lens and without was a really great little story and was it was great. And, and I think is something that, you know, 
as a gay, I'm I'm proud to say is like a gay movie. Yeah, I mean it's it's that thing, right, of like queer people just tearing down every new piece of queer media. Uh-huh. Immediately. Uh-huh. And and even with this, did you see that like Bechtel test tweet oh, or whatever? I crazy. I saw a mention about it and I was like, God, we can't have anything. We can't have yeah. anything. I know. I mean, I was just so glad I, like everyone just like ate her alive. And she's yeah. like the director of like podcasts for New York Magazine or something like that. I was like, Jesus Christ, who is this woman? Right. Anyway, she's not worth talking about. But it's, you know, uh, you're, I don't, what is that? It's like, how do you define, um, you know, game, like, it's, because because I do think this movie was so inclusive as far as yeah. just like from like a POC perspective. It's like, we're having um fats femmes and asians in this movie it's like we are r- breaking that glass ceiling of really having an ensemble cast that is diverse but there's always something that people would want i guess and that but it's also i feel like we've had this conversation too before it's like this is the story they're telling you know if you want to write that story go for it yeah. write a movie produce yeah. it it's like make your own art and i think we could still be you know look at look at the movie with a sort of What's the word? Subjective, objective. What am I? Uh, type of I. Subject. Yeah. Like, subjective. Or, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just because it's you know that's what we're here to do today is talk about these performances. But I, uh, I, I don't understand everyone's rush to immediately like poo poo something unless they've one seen it or a also just like you said saw it twice. Well, you know, something that just popped up to me and it's relevant to the movie that I don't. This is. This could. This could be one of Oprah's aha moments, or this could be like yeah. one of Gail's, like, I don't know what I was thinking moments. But, <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, Gail. But I, it's interesting how it, towards the end of, of Fire Island, you know, there's the, the conversation between Noah and Howie, and Howie was basically talking about, like, I want to be vulnerable. I want to feel vulnerable. And, like, I, I, you know, am not afraid of that. And I, what that makes me think of is, like, it's kind of a vulnerable thing to openly like something. And like, yeah, it's one, but and and to like something from like a like, like you love it kind of genuinely. Like it's different from like you go to a drag show and you scream for the queen and she death drops and all. Like that, it, that's queening out, but it's it's yeah. more celebratory. But it's like way more vulnerable to say, oh yeah, I really like that. That that really touched something in me, or that made me feel good, or I really like enjoyed that. Like I think it's a lot easier to go to that like catty place of like, Oh gosh, why do I want to watch 90 minutes of pretty gays? Can I just go outside? You know, like it's easier to be that bitch. And I feel like sometimes with gay men, it's like, who's going to be the one in here to break the chain. Cause I feel like I'm and from my experience in the past, like a lot of these catty bitchy gay men are like just looking for someone else to give permission to like put down the armor, you know? Yes. Especially like on Twitter, it's like it's like people are kind of holding back and then all of a sudden the floodgates open and then it's just a shitstorm. Yeah. I also have or go ahead, continue your thought though. Oh, I'm so I, I so I think that that might be part of why you know gay men in particular, you know, can have this tendency, especially on Twitter. And Twitter is its own ecosphere of like, you really only come there. Twitter is a bathroom. You only go there to do a couple of things. You know what I mean? So, uh, and, and it's really a porta potty, honestly, there's no mirror because if there was, people might see how ridiculous they look. And I think that like, that might be part of why there is that like hair trigger response of like, 
I've, I've even seen this with two of my friends um, who have been, they're like friends I met within the last year and they become like, they're yeah. in the neighborhood and we hang out a lot. And they're, one of them's my age, one of them's like 42. And like, they're this type to just go, like they haven't even seen it, but are like talking shit about it. And they're like, no, that I'm, that's not something I'm interested in. And so it it's so easy to just like want to assimilate with that and go, oh yeah, I know. Like, ugh, I can't even stand that podcast. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy yeah. to just go there because that's where everyone's going and no one wants to be the stick in the mud that goes, oh, well, to be honest with you, like I, I really enjoyed it, you know? Yeah, because then something's wrong with you that you enjoyed it. Like, and then there's judgments and a little bit of like shame over like what you were saying before. Like you're you're being vulnerable enough to say, like, I love what this movie the story that was told, the performances. And that's also like okay. I, I but like mm-hmm. I I've been on both sides of that. Like I'm not pretending that I don't do that shit either. I try not to do that shit, especially with like you know, queer movies and queer television, because this is what I was going to say before is like every gay movie, not every gay movie, but like, um, you know, the ones that get Oscar attention are the ones that are like so sad. (laughs) Sure. But then then you have movies like, I mean, granted they weren't played. Well, Nathan Lane was, but like the birdcage is like a perfect example of a movie that would like, I felt like did so well and was so gay but it mm-hmm. also had like Robin Williams and Nathan Lane and Diane Weist. <laughs> well, yeah, really. It's even that's, better than a gay man is Diane Weist. Yeah, and I and I I think that that's its own thing too, but like as far as like a rom-com, I I think we're on like this Obviously there are rom-coms that came before this. Even like Happiest Season for for example. Like yeah. I feel like these movies both belong on I think I I'm going to steal this from like a Vulture article, but they both belong on the same shelf next to each other. Like I just feel like th- these are heading in the right direction. There are other movies that I've seen like on YouTube of like a cover and it's just two gay men like staring at each other and like brooding, you know what I mean? And you already kind of know what that movie's going to be like. The acting's going to be fine, the writing's going to be fine, but like I think you also need to like keep making them until they get really really good and i think they're starting to is what i'm saying i it's a really interesting topic of like the evolution of of gay movies and yeah you know some of the earliest ones like that were openly talking about gays you know were like coming out in the 60s and they were you know sad stories i mean there's like a you know i think there's like a british movie called victim it's like one of the first movies to openly talk about homosexuality and i think it's about a guy who's being blackmailed by someone who is gay and so it's like he the, the main character is gay and he's being blackmailed by someone who's going to expose him and so it's like it's like basically like a thriller you know um mm-hmm. and so it's like that and that was you know relevant and i think that for a long time gay cinema was just really um even something like boys in the band that had a lot of funny scenes ultimately it was really dark in the end you know and, yeah and then obviously you know uh hiv era you know cinema longtime companion and like um uh, it's my party and like all these like in the gloaming like all of these like movies that were then about like okay well someone's gonna die from AIDS by the end of this and yeah and then it was like then we moved into this you know the era of like direct to DVD and direct to video where it was just like low budget crappy like romantic comedies and like screwball comedies and sex comedies and you're right it was always the same like look and feel and bad acting and there was maybe one or two diamonds in the rough, like trick, you know, mm-hmm. um, or the broken hearts club. But, you know, it was always the idea of like, 
sorry, Marco is coming after this garlic knot, and I, he's like, it is, it is insane what I'm trying to do right now while I'm talking. You're doing great. He's like licking a garlic knot and standing on the table, and I'm trying to take the plate away from him. You need to just get off because I'm, I don't want you up here. Don't you bite me. Get the fuck <gasps> off this table. Lick my garlic knot, bite my elbow. I don't know who she thinks she is. Um, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> You're like Jinx when she lost her ear. You're like, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> so offended. Oh, um, I love it. But uh, it. We, anyway, the point is that we've but it, we, we've come a long way, you know, and yeah. Uh, and I think it's a big deal to have a movie like Happiest Season or a movie like Fire Island where, yes, the characters are gay. And yes, that's a part of the story, but it's not. It's it's kind of just part one of the story. Yes, I absolutely. And I think the other part of this, too, is like in I think maybe like a month or two from now, we're getting that bros movie is a bro or bros bros. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a Judd Apatow movie um, with starring Billy Eichner. And I'm to be honest, I'm I, I'm not as excited about that as I was for this. And I, uh-huh. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Um, but again, there goes that sort of like trigger in my gay little brain. That's like, I don't want to see that. I already kind of like know what that is and I don't. So I should right. just shut up about it. Well, I think, you know, it's funny bringing that up because I, um, and we talked about this a little bit on the All Right Mary episode, but like the feeling of like it, having Fire Island at the beginning of the summer and Pride Month and it's so on the nose and it's all about these people who are. 30 and these kids who are younger than us like you know like were they born in the 90s i yes yes these kids were born in like 1990 or 91 who knows but anyway uh i so there's that at the beginning and and so i go into with that point of view of like oh this is not for me this is basically like harry potter basically you know um and (laughs) uh and then at the end of the you know the summer into like fall then there's bros which i feel like is the more sort of the 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 darker less rainbow and rainbows and sunshine Mm -hmm. you know post 35 post 40 kind of view about dating and whatnot and you know for example when i talk to those two friends of mine who are so kind of like you know, uh, negative about Fire Island, of course, it's like, well, bros, we can be excited about because it's, you know, it's got kind of a, you know, a dark sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, well, that we can be excited about because it's not too earnest. Yeah, I think. And that's like unfair, to be honest. I mean, I I also think that there's something like it's just which movie do you identify with more? Like you said, they were born like I feel like I feel like Matt Rogers and Bowen, they're like 33 or something. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're like just turning 30. But I know that Conrad Ricamora is 43, which is hot, to be honest, because I was oh, like so I'll, obsessed with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much to say about Mr. Conrad. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like I I don't really identify with like either of those. Like I'm, I'm not a Fire Island gay. Like I never was into like, you know. Uh, you know, part, I mean, I partied in college for sure, but like, I never really did any like heavy drugs and like went out and like lived the life that they are living. And I guess, and it is like an isolated sort of situation in Fire Island, but like, I can totally see like just more introverted, sardonic gays that are just like, no thanks. I get it. Uh huh. And I, so I've been thinking about that. I, I feel like I am 
you know, ex- not just because of this movie. I don't know what's, I, maybe it's because I'm microdosing with mushrooms these days. I also think that might be why I'm having a different <laughs> response is because sure. I had microdosed last night and then I watched it today and I was like, ooh, this is actually a different headspace. Uh, yeah. I, I think I'm not afraid of empathy today. And so, yes. um, but I, I think about that when I watch a movie like this, where I, I think one of the things I love about this movie is that it really doesn't glamorize Fire Island. Like, it is showing you certainly a very exclusive, and it's admitting it, a very exclusive um, getaway for mostly gays of privilege, you know, because mm-hmm. it costs a lot of money to have a house on the island and like your other option is to like have a share that could be, you know, like five people in a two bedroom house, you know? Yeah. Um, And that's my nightmare. I don't know. Maybe it's not so cramped, but if I was going to stay on fire Island, I want my own like four bedroom house on the beach. You know what I mean? Or bust. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yep. 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 um, Like at the very least, like, you know, I'm not sharing a bathroom for God's sake. I was just going to say you need your bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I need my bathroom. I need my closet. I need my own kitchenette in case I'm too shy to make coffee Um, (laughs) in the kitchen. You know, I need options. Um, You bump into someone in the kitchen. You're like, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm not here. Um, And so, uh, you know, I, I wonder about, like, how this movie that is being honest about this whole environment, but, like, is also still showing you at its most glamorous. I wonder how that feels for, like, yeah, like, introverted indoor gays who are, like, very far from the East Coast, you know? Um, yeah. And, and that this is not a place you would travel to fairly easily, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's like, um, but, and I think like the beauty of all of this is like you get the Bennett sisters in the form of like this cast and you have like Mary Bennett in the form of Max, you know what I mean? There is that sort of like quote unquote introverted who'd rather just like, Mm -hmm. like person Mm -hmm. who would just like read and maybe party every once in a while, but like he's, you know, it's like I wish Max had more, but I also know that. But Mary Mary Bennett is like she's the black sheep of the family, like, and she loves to just play piano and read. So it's mm-hmm. there's that too. But, um, but I I like that even with all that, there's like you know maybe that's something that could hook someone in. You know what I mean? To to see that there, there's more than just you know the the Howies and the Noahs. That's a good point. Is that like Max? Well sort of underutilized in the movie. I I think there was, I would have liked more of him, but I get what you're saying is he's the Mary, you know, it's like the Mm Anne Peggy, you know? Um, (laughs) But uh, it is, it's not as if they're all uh, Keegan and Luke, you know, like it's, you know, and, and Howie, I think is actually, I think is very identifiable, you know, easy to identify with. I think he is a, a really refreshing character here. You know, I, I think it was nice to see that, like, like there's like Joel Kim Booster obviously has you know like just the most perfect physique known to man. Like it's yeah. just disgusting. He's beautiful. He's yeah. really and and that's a and I like that that is brought up and made a point of in the movie in a couple of really interesting ways. You know, it's like I yep. I it's not just for you know for show. You know, I love that like how he says to him at the end, like, I'm happy that you did all this, you know, just to try to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it's working for you. And it's also part of Noah's character of like he's trying to sort of assimilate with like the white ideal. And it's like, well, if I can't be like white and rich, I'll at least have a six pack. And yep. And but I like that there's Howie who like doesn't take his shirt off at the pool, you know? Yeah, I think that that's 
really important because it's yeah it's like Howie is our sort of cipher he is the the every he's the average of all of them I feel you know what I mean and it's it's, mm-hmm. it's very easy to relate to him and I mean it's like Howie is also Jane she's Jane Bennett um, and also kind of reminds me of like Beth and Little Women yeah uh, so it's like it can potentially be not an exciting character because you know in the true Pride and Prejudice or even the true Little Women they're like you know, they're just, they have plots. But, like, I, I remember we really liked, um, oh, my gosh, Rosamund Pike. Wasn't yeah. Wasn't she our number, our number one BSA when we counted that down? Something like that. But, I think she was. Um, yeah. She was pretty high up, yeah. But I, but there's also, like, they kind of switch off a little bit. Like, the, the melting of these characters together is what I really liked. I mean, there's no question that, you know, Jake and Keegan are Lydia and Kitty. And, like, how perfect is that like it's just so great and i i think i listened to las culturistas with this week and they said the first person cast was matt as mm-hmm. jake and it's so luke. perfect oh like sorry luke why did i write jake thank yeah, you for correcting me yeah. <laughs> luke um i do think that it's like it is the role that matt rogers was born to play and i i know that maybe we could get a little you know, it's a lot at first because he's, but I also think it's absolutely pitch perfect for this movie. And when I watched it the second time around, I was cackling at some of his lines because I picked up so much more and had such a deeper appreciation. But you have to know the the pride and prejudice, like how how that informs like Matt as Luke in this movie. Yeah, I, I wonder what this would be like not having the pride and prejudice lens because I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really glad that I have it. But I think when I pull it off, it's like, oh, I what I like without that lens is it really is an ensemble movie. There's a lot of characters, you know, and they there's yes. different little stories. So I I can see the value of not having it, but there is even it's more valuable to have the Pride and Prejudice lens. And and it certainly explains, you know, and and contextualizes Luke and Keegan in a really smart way of like transforming those characters into these little party bunnies in in you know jockstraps. It's like, oh, that's brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. And after the second time I watched it, I I I'm gonna eat some of my words. I think Matt Rogers is great in this yeah. movie, and he is. He's perfect. He's really, really funny, and he's got a lot of great little moments. And I'll tell you, when the movie opened and like he was leading everybody and poorly singing along <laughs> to the Fox search like search like pictures thing, I was like, "Oh come on, no!" Rule of culture number seven. I'm not listening to this. And, oh, I loved it. I oh, loved it. We go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just like, oh no, is it going to be this? This is like my worst nightmare. Is it going to be this? And then. It wasn't, and and he, I mean, yeah, one of my favorite moments was, like, when Noah has that heartfelt moment with him and Keegan towards the end, and, like, I don't know what I'd do without you, you're my family, and and then, you know, you get kind of the stereotypical response from Luke of, like, all right, so how are we going to wrap this up? You want to hug? What do you want to do? And then, you know, it's like, well, I think we should go get fucked up and dance, and they walk away, and then Matt, Luke's like, oh, we can hug, and, like, hugs him, and it's just, like, the funniest little moment, and it yep. really... It reminds me a lot of the way the character Emery opens up in Boys in the Band, you know, where he is so yes. the flouncy fay through so much of the movie. But like once shit gets dark, he really evolves and is so much more. And I think I did not want to give Matt Rogers or this movie that the first time I watched it. Yeah. 
I think I had a similar experience. I was kind of just, I guess, just taking it in as a whole when you watch it for the first time. But I mean, I don't know if these lines were ad libbed, excuse me, but like when he's like, <laughs> Luke, uh, Luke, gosh, I'm like so nervous. I'm going to say Jake again. Luke is like, private Instagram, what's he hiding? Right. <laughs> just like yeah. stupid thing. And my favorite line, which is so quick, and I can't believe I even caught it, when um, Noah pushes Howie down the stairs. <laughs> And she's like, she fell. She like, fell. Like the- <laughs> I was just going to mention that. It is that. Yes. so not necessary. And I loved it. You know, it, you're like, you smell good. Abercrombie and Fitch, fierce as he's walking up the stairs. Right. I just. Which and, tells you yeah. so much because guys who still wear fierce are uh, uh, men at fire on Fire a Island. specific breed, at, yes. at a rich house party wearing fierce are a very specific unaware brand of gay men and god love them yeah i mean two more things about luke that i caught the second time is he has dax or dex excuse me spelled out on his tummy at the beach when they're all laying there in suntan lotion i noticed that i loved that and then probably where it really won me over is because this is such a thing um when they were all at like their house and um Aaron is Margaret Cho's character, right? Aaron, Aaron. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, who's up for desserts? And, you know, the muscle gays are like, mm, no thanks. But Matt, it was like, he says, the different girls will get the, the dessert, just the different girls. Because oh, Charlie cute. just said, like, you're all so different and like a weird, oh, you know, like. right. Yes. Right. But oh. like, I know what that means. Like mm-hmm. one time when we went to Italy for Keon's cousin's wedding, we met this beautiful Lebanese man uh, who was there, and his name was his name was God, but it's spelled G A D. God, some picks, and he. Please, was, I was gonna say, um, so how who would play him, and do you have picks? Yeah, yeah, I. He's very handsome, and was like really like, you know, it's hard to be like swimming in like a pool with him. You know what I mean? I'm like yeah. pasty with my farmer's tan, and he takes his shirt off, and I was like, whoa. But um, he we were eating. Uh, it was at the rehearsal dinner and we had like, it was awesome. It was like this beautiful, like delicious pizza. Um, and then there was dessert and I was like, do you want dessert? And I like handed him a slice of something. He's like, do I look like someone who eats dessert? And I was like, oh man, uh, you suck. And that's uh, what I, it, like, that's where I immediately went to. And I was like, yeah, I guess you don't. Uh, but, you know, don't in that moment, say that. I'm picturing you. <laughs> I just like as put from, it on my plate. Yeah. I'm picturing, like, <laughs> you as Ramona going, Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, Dorinda. Oh my God. Oh Are my you kidding God. me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Bethany? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but yes, and then putting it on your plate. Yes. Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah. Double tiramisu. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, when in Italy. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, the leading tower of huh. tiramisu. Uh, wow. But you know, here's the thing about God, that God, who I still want to see pictures of. That being oh, said. yeah. Let me send you a um, Please, yeah. Uh, is there is then that moment where you're like, oh, do you want some? And he goes, do I look like someone who eats dessert? And it's like, that's kind of like it almost makes it not hot anymore. It's like, well, sure, I get that you have to eat really healthy, but there's something about that, like, that response where it's like, oh, well, I like, I like people who eat dessert. Like, there's something that just, it almost, it's like when somebody's mean to a waiter, it's like it tells you so much about them. Yes. You know? You gotta have dessert. Even yeah. Even if you take a bite. Take a bite. So that just Jesus tells me a Christ. lot about God. Yeah. Yeah. You come to Italy and you don't eat the tiramisu, like. 
I don't want to. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk. Yeah, like go go for a walking tour tomorrow. You know, it's like walk a few bridges and it'll be gone just like that. It'll be Tiramahu, yeah. You know, <laughs> Tiramahu. Yeah. Um. Yes. I. So. So yeah. There's that. Oh, I found some good ones. Oh yes. Yes. Okay. Um, well, while you're sending those to me, because yes, I want to look at them, look at them while we're discussing this episode. I do because the name, uh, Margaret show has been brought up and that was someone else. I was also like, Hmm, Hmm. What? Cause sometimes she's in things and she's clunk a dunk, you know? I mean, I think you, you had seen her in season two of the flight attendant. Am I remembering? Oh yeah. It was so bad. It was so bad. I hated it. It was, yeah. It was like, she just sometimes is okay. Hold on. Uh, we got to stop for God. You know what I mean? Like, Honk yeah, if you I love don't... Jesus and stop if you need to see <laughs> Jesus Christ. Look at God. Yeah. Oh, he is. This is a. We need to wrap things up. <laughs> yeah, he is. I'm just. I mean, he's very handsome. And to be honest, he is. He's very built. He has great arms and dare I say even a flat tummy. But the thing I love about him is that he does have a little bit of meat. So when uh-huh. he does say, "Do I look like?" Someone who eats dessert. I kind of wanted to be like, kind of, kind and of, and just like hand it to him anyway. <laughs> By no means is he overweight, but like he doesn't have a six pack. But like, you know, oh. we all go through stages. But yeah, that's that's him. I'll send you his Instagram handle. God, oh maybe you're God. listening. Who knows? Oh Are you there, God? God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> Are you there, God? It's me, Nick. I tried to offer you dessert. <laughs> I know, and I'll never forget it. Yeah, I really wouldn't. Right. <laughs> Keanu and I rolled our eyes the whole way home. Oh my God! I mean, well, you know, again, you are you are doing so much good. You you got me to watch Pride and Prejudice. You got me to watch Z Way. Now you're sending me God's Instagram. I, yeah, th- I, I just I, thank you. This is gay pride. I, this is supporting the gay community yes, right now. Yes, this is gay rights. This yes, is gay, have... this is gay rights. <laughs> yes, um, I actually have another photo of oh, so generous. Another, the other guy that was with us. I feel maybe I've sent this to you. His name is Sam. Also a very beautiful man who we stayed with when we went to um, Amsterdam. He was very kind to like house us. But like these are the people that we were like, in addition to God, Sam was also by the pool too. And I just sent it. And normally I'm okay. But like, cause like, but again, I like, I don't want to be the chubbiest guy there. That's not a great feeling. No, <laughs> so no one like, wants to like do the math and go. Doesn't oh, do well. It's oh me. yeah, it's me. Yeah. Oh, oh see, my gosh. You, look at him. Oh. Yeah. See, this is like handsome men. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's beautiful in their own way. But if I had like a type, (laughs) I love God. No, Um, (laughs) but like God who eats dessert. You know what I mean? Like, let's be clear. You know, I. um, Yeah. So uh, this was. Thank you. This was a wild tangent. Yeah. No, wildly necessary. This is gay pride. We deserve. Uh, this Dessert. is why Judy threw the first brick at Stonewall <laughs> was so I could stop and look at pictures of God while well, we recorded right. an episode. Um, but back to Erin. So, yeah, Margaret Show, sometimes I don't know how she's going to be. Is like She's great as a comedian, but you never know as an actress. And I really, really enjoyed her in this. I thought that she was um, way more like natural and more kind of easy. And like, there were just moments where I was like, Oh, you're not doing the like wild bug eyed all the time. Margaret show. You're kind of giving me some nuance. I, I really loved her. I mean, yes. Compared to the flight attendant, absolutely i did like when she does talk to noah like (sighs) while they're looking at howie i wanted her to slow it down i'm like i think everything you're saying is great and the writing is so good just like take your time and pace it and really think about like 
how would you give advice to someone? You know, you're going to think about before. And she just kind of rambled. But other than that, I think she's perfect. Like, I mm-hmm. can't imagine her not being in this movie. And with that being said, it was supposed to be a guy, a man, because I listened to Las Culturistas. Oh. And they said that they cast um, an iconic gay man in the Margaret Cho role. Um, oh. And then uh, all of a sudden, I think they had scheduling conflicts. And the day that it hap- that happened, Margaret Cho, like, suddenly, I don't know, they, they she sent them a message and was like, I want to do this. And they were like, oh, of course, yes. But wow. who do you think the iconic gay man was? I was just do you think it was like Billy that. Porter or someone or like right. Sean uh, Hayes or? That would have been, because that was the one thing that was missing a little bit was like an an older gay male perspective, you know? Yeah, have a Mr. and Mrs. Bennett, yeah, who's yeah. gonna watch over these kids. Oh, yes. yeah, I mean, yeah, I think because it that was, and obviously they're not telling every story, but like Fire Island has a lot of gay men over forty. Let's you know, let's start the, yeah. the bracket there, and it was strange to see like none of them, uh, and so that would have been really nice, and and it would have been great to have, yeah, like even if it was, yeah, as you said, Mister and Mrs. Bennett, then it's Margaret Cho and Sean Hayes playing off of each other, you know. Yeah, like, who's her best friend? You know, she doesn't have a partner, but, like, I think she needed someone. Um, Yeah, that being said, you know, what I appreciated was that her story was, like, I spent so much of my life, you know, trying to fix people, trying to help people, and I just pushed everyone away. So now all of my friends are a bunch of boys half my age who only, you know, use me for my house on Fire Island. And I thought, oh, I, I... I love that we're putting some context on the older woman, not straight, but like older woman with the younger gay guys. Cause it's so easy to just kind of put a like quick, easy label hag, you know what I mean? Even if she's a lesbian, yeah. like just put an easy label on it and not see that. Like, yeah. How did it get to the point that like, these are your friends, you know? Yeah. And even like those little Easter eggs of like who she used to be in the past, like when they're going to the one bar and she has to stay home because she set it on fire. Like, I just feel like she's she's gone through. She's she's already seen it all. Like she doesn't need to go out. And I don't think we need even if it was played by her or someone else. Like, I don't think they should have gone out with the boys. I think she's just kind of there for support. And that I feel in some way, too, it's like that. I mean, they're her family. And and vice versa, too. It's like I do think that there is something, uh, you know, an exchange there. But again, too, it's like she's showing us that it's not all like great at the same time. She's yeah. Lonely. Yeah. And I, I think that that's I, I appreciate that there is loneliness kind of weaves into this movie because I, I feel yeah. like th- there is inherently in something like Fire Island as a vacation destination as a gaycation thing as a as a gay thing that really all there is to do in the pines is like dance drink have sex and like have dinner parties you know what i mean it's like go swimming on the beach you know so it's like there can be a lot of gaps in between all of that and a lot of like you know especially if you're doing a lot of drugs there can be a lot of like oh what am i doing and i feel like all we ever really see of fire island is just like gay mecca and that's great, and I know that we've already gone through decades of <clears throat> sad gay movies, but that doesn't mean we can't have one that addresses that, like, I wonder what it feels like to feel invisible on Fire Island. You know what I mean? Like, what's that narrative? Yeah. And I think I like that they tried to address it kind of with Howie and, and you know, uh, that this is not, and even with Aaron, you know, that this is not just yeah. paradise. Yeah, and I 
I mean, I'm going to I'm going to take a big step or, you know, skip ahead here a little bit. But I, I think it's time that we at least maybe start the Charlotte Lucas erasure conversation <sighs> played by Claudie Blakely or Blakely Blakey. Oh, my Bl- gosh. Uh, Blakely? I think it's Blakely. We'll say. Blakely? Yeah, there's, yeah. It's like B-L-A-K-L. E-Y- uh, yeah. Either way, we love yeah. you, Claudie. We love um, you, Claude. And we love that scene. She's a one-scene queen. That's such a great, ugh. Yeah. And that whole scene of that tire swing that she's on. Um, but yes, to, like, because I have a theory that they they did have this moment. It's just not in the way that we saw it in Pride and Prejudice. You know, I the closest approximation to this was in that bathroom between Howie and Noah. Um, I guess after the underwear party, when he like pulled yes. him away from that like that you know quote unquote rice queen, uh, yeah. and and Moses was, was his name. Moses, <laughs> yeah, and like um, you know how he says you know stop talking about this like we're the stop same settling, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he says stop settling. He's like, well, stop talking about this like we're the same. Stop pretending like you don't understand how the world works. And I just thought like this is the don't you judge me, Lizzie, you know, and mm-hmm. and I mean. When you think of the lines in, you know, certainly in in the movie version, we saw like where she's like, I'm 27. I'm, you know, I'm a burden on my parents. I think of like gays on their parents insurance. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. But like, you know, I don't have any prospects. I'm afraid. And I think of how many gays. And I was just listening to that episode of hijinks with um, Ben and and Jinx. And that that belief that like your life ends at 30 if you're a gay man. And Mm -hmm. there is a similar point of view for like an unmarried woman at that time and so i would have loved to see in this a one scene queen who's like set like let's just say the scenario is someone who is for whatever is not a good looking guy you know sure and is like settling for like a rich older kind of like sleaze bag yes who's got a nice house but it's like but i you know it's it's this or nothing you know Oh my gosh! I mean, that's that opens up a whole. I mean, it wouldn't. It would have to have been a new character yes. for the gang, and but also like a dynamic between like a younger gay who marries an older gay man for like security. Like you're mm-hmm. just saying, but like that does exist. It's like in and maybe others in the group like judging him for always going after older men, but also having that conversation. Like, look, I, you know, I'm waiting tables in New York City, and I need to be, you know, like. It, know what my is, age wants me you know yeah yeah for sure um i uh, and uh i i thought that that would be cool but again it's like we i understand why we don't have charlotte lucas but i i do agree i think i would actually add that the part two of the charlotte scene is um like the suitcase scene when joel can oh uh, yeah when, when noah's in bed and how he's like don't hate me i'm leaving because he literally says like i'm 30 and i've never had a boyfriend i've never even been in a relationship it's it's very much that same energy like let me be sad about this and deal with it and figure it out in my own way i, right. I think that was like the button yeah, yeah, and saying, like, your rules don't work for me, and, you know, and I don't yeah. know if they're working for you either, but, like, more importantly, like, and I love that because Noah is, I mean, I know we talked about this on, on All Right, Mary, and I'll never say that again this episode, but I remember that was something that really jumped out to me was that Noah, the sluttier, more sex-positive, where you want to, you know, it, it, the 
the more promiscuous, not into monogamy, you know, typical, typically the slutty best friend character is the main character here. And then the like virginal, uh, in a way, uh, never had a relationship, idealistic, romantic Howie is the best friend. And, uh, and it's kind of like in a horror movie where like the final girl is usually like the nice virginal girl and the slut's the one who gets killed. And so I love this reversal where like, Noah is, you know, the, the the quote unquote slut is is you know the main character and is validated. You know, it, it's it there's it's validated at the end of like yeah, you don't have to if you're not monogamous, you don't have to be. That's fine. But then I also like that it's like, but if you want to be monogamous, that's fine too. And I think that was something I didn't I didn't expect this movie to kind of have such parallel views that like both were valid. Yeah, because. Uh... Uh, how he tries it and it just doesn't work but like how i mean that's such a conversation like especially when you're in fire island like don't worry about it just go and get fucked and it's like what if that's not what you want or what is that that's not the way that you want to go about it too so that like that's it's interesting to see Howie and that i i don't know on his journey of figuring that out for himself but also almost giving up at the end too but um speaking of joke and booster i think he's a star like i just thought he was so good in this movie um there's one one part it's in the bathroom fight where he says um uh how he says stop pretending like you don't know how the world works and he just kind of like looks at him and he says that's not fair but the way that he says that mm-hmm. how he thinks about it and like almost gets a little choked up like i i I think he's so great in this and it's so cool that he wrote it too. And I don't, this was also mentioned in Las Culturistas, but I, I suggest you read it cause it's a great article that Joel Kim Booster wrote for, Oh my gosh. I can't remember where it was. It's like something like vanity fair or something or, but it's about pride and prejudice. And that's kind of what sparked the idea for this um, is him reading that. It's very much like Hamilton. Like he read it and then all of a sudden he was just like obsessed and then he wrote this movie and, um, or at least that's the uh, the story I'm telling in my head. But I I just think he's so talented. Yeah, th- I mean, he, I, I feel like I've, I've mostly known him as like a name frequently dropped on Las Colcheristas. Yeah. It's never just Joel. It's always Joel Kim Booster. Yeah. And uh to the point where I was like, oh, enough. But yeah, I mean, it, it, this is definitely something to be very proud of. The fact that he wrote this, that he starred in this, that he, um, you know, and, and was a very, like, believable example of a gay man. Like, I think that, like, I almost credit him more as a writer than, I, I saw him more as the writer than the actor in this. I think he was a really good mm-hmm. actor, but I felt like I was also, like, seeing the story that he was very deliberately telling. I was seeing that, like, even at the very end of the movie, I think he, like, he says something to Cooper, I think, sort of in the climax of trying to, you know, stop Howie from leaving and all that. Like, he says, you were right about this place. Like, I like that even Mm -hmm. at the very end, it's never, like, it's not the happy ending for Fire Island. I mean, like, to also the fact that, like, Erin has to sell her house. This is their last summer on this island. Mm -hmm. Like, even though there's a happy ending at the end, like in that kind of, you know, the, the voiceover narration, like we then realize, Oh, this is a story that happened in the past, you know? And for some reason, I don't know that like, I liked the idea that like, Oh, this is already long since over, you know? Yeah. And I guess the other side of that too, is like what I assume would happen is that, um, Oh my gosh, there's so many names to remember and I don't want to mess it up here. Will, um, 
and um, Noah ending up together. Uh, it, it, does Will own the house, the beach house in Fire Island? No. So I feel like he'll take care of everyone, I guess is what I'm saying, you know, if they do end up together. Well, I mean, that was almost what I expected from a more idealistic movie that was like, oh, mm-hmm. the rich people are going to buy Aaron's house and they're going to save it. But Oh, I didn't even think of that. N- so it, yeah. I, I don't, or, you know, really, I mean, the reality is that like, Will lives in LA and has like an established career in LA and Noah mm-hmm. lives in New York. And yeah. so like, while there is, I mean, also how he lives in San Francisco and Charlie lives in New York. So it's like, there is. It's so you know it sort of suggested that like oh the pines bubble is gonna burst and like yeah you know six months from now and like Will thinks oh they could be in love but Noah is thinking oh they're not they'll probably not talk to each other anymore and well I love the possibility that this could be the beginning of like Howie and Charlie's relationship and even Will and Noah I'm prone to believe that much like the house never being saved and their summers on Fire Island ending that like Noah and Will definitely did not continue as a couple you know like gotcha noah says i'm not good for you you're not right for me and it's like i yeah i i think i feel like i just don't see this working um and howie and charlie who knows i mean i don't think we have to you know i I think we're left with like the romantic notion that just like all the other rom-com things that happened they're gonna have the rom-com ending you know yeah do you think that um Will and Noah should not have kissed at the end? No. So I really liked the ending. I think Mm -hmm. that it was, I appreciated the the ambiguity. I feel like it would have been very easy. You know, an example is, and it's not really the same, but I always think of the movie Trainwreck with Amy Schumer and how it was an anti-romantic comedy. And then it went full on cheeseburger romantic comedy at the end. And I was like, well, I'm sure this is deliberate. It ends this movie being no different than anything else that's come out. What would have made this different is if the ending was different. That's the only thing that's revolutionary about a romantic comedy is if you change the ending. Yeah, I mean, a lot of... Um, I think there's two parts to this because I was talking to Amanda about it and I she's or maybe someone else said this. I've read a lot of shit over the past couple of days about the movie and that it could potentially be predictable, like this predictable rom-com ending and plot. But it's also if it, I think it has an out in a way, pun intended, um, of being based on Pride and Prejudice. And if you know that and if you are familiar with it, too, it's kind of like forgiven in a way. But I, I want to talk about Conrad. I want to talk about the character of Will because I have like, I think he had to start this conversation out. I think he had a very difficult job because Mr. Darcy, I feel it's hard to play no matter what, but it like, it really suits that, like that era of what, you know, those period pieces. Mm-hmm. But with this, but also again, another sort of like subgenre of gay men are, are men that are a little bit robotic, but can still get a little silly every once in a while, but also still be likable enough. Like I wanted to like shake him, and I think, but also he's playing the Mister Darcy, so like he's he has to be like that, and he has to. It's, but like why is he on Fire Island? I can't imagine Mister Darcy on Fire Island. I feel like he would just like hate it. But I guess I, my turning point was once I saw him dance. I was just like so yeah. in love with him, um, but those are my so opening I, thoughts. Yeah, I think it. like I, I watching it a second time. I think they, I understood that like, because Charlie, played by James Scully, is very much this like 
he did like a sweet dope, you know, and I think the he, Mr. Bingley, yes, yeah, yeah, and so I think he had invited Will because it was like somebody that he knew and like somebody that oh. he, uh, I believe that's what it was because I think he is. He said that Cooper, um, who's like one of the mean gays, who I want to talk about because I actually really like the character of Cooper, who's like the Caroline oh, yes. Bingley character. Um, oh yeah, actually I love Cooper. Let me just, I just think he's a a great. Support character, perfect, perfectly cast as Nick um, Adams, and yeah. perfectly cast. Yeah, but so I think Cooper owns the house. I'm, I think that's what it is that Cooper owns oh. the house, and Cooper is a family friend of Charlie's, and Charlie and Will are friends, and so Will is. I so I could see Will being there because like Charlie wants to have a familiar face, like you know, and Charlie's a nice guy, you know. Yeah, um, and so I understood kind of what he was doing there. And I also, like, I appreciated that, like, you know, I think Cooper tells Noah in the bathroom at the underwear party, you know, he's got that rich prep school kind of trauma. That's why his voice is so deep. And yeah, I love that line. Yeah, I good. love that. And then later when they're fighting in the rain, Noah's like, you, you know, basically like calling up, calling him out for like, well, you know, you're basically straight, you know, like you're so mm-hmm. straight acting. And if you and you act like if you're so fucking miserable about being gay, then no one will think, you know, no one will think you are. No one will, you know. Uh, yeah. dare to see any gay pride in you, you know? And, and so I could understand all of that. I think it's, it's kind of the, but it's the challenge I think of bringing Mr. Darcy into like present era fire Island is like that brooding character is me as a gay now in this era. If I see that energy, I'm just like, if you're not, if you're that book conversation would have been the last conversation. Oh yeah, gosh, like you just know? being intentionally sort of, I don't know, like a know-it-all. Yeah, and like kind <laughs> of uh, yeah. combative and just like a little tough. I would have been like, oh, well, if this is how you are when we just met, I can't wait till you're comfortable with me. You know, so. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, you know, I feel like I even felt that when we did Pride and Prejudice was like for the first like half of the movie, I was like, this guy is an asshole. I yeah. don't know how this is going to work. But the dancing scene, I, you know, featuring Peppermint, uh, uh, God bless her. I was, I mean, it was like my worst nightmare, but. I was just going to say I would pay money. I would never make you do it. Oh, course, God. I, I would. I would love it. I'd be in hell. Uh, but I I think he really, um, I and I assume there's a similar turning point in Pride and Prejudice where it's like, oh, Mr. Darcy has a heart, you know? Yeah, I <clears throat> I think in Pride, from what I remember, like he has a younger sister in Pride and Prejudice. That right. He, um, yes. So there's like when they go to Mr. Darcy's house and, um, you know, Mr. Darcy's there, but Elizabeth didn't know. And, you know, there's a look and she runs away. Um, and then I think the rain scenes after that, maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like this character was almost like Josh from Clueless meets Mr. Darcy, like the uh, the Paul Rudd oh, character. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? He's kind uh-huh. of like along for the ride and kind of fun. And, and like another thing to say too is like, he doesn't have to be full blown Darcy at the same time. Like he's, He's Will. He's not like even though it's based on that. I, I right. have to kind of like remind myself of that. I liked that in the end. I mm-hmm. I appreciated that it was almost like he didn't kind of betray his character in a way where he was like, well, I don't know, monogamy is not really for me. Like there was yes. still something kind of like not closed off, but I liked that it wasn't a full transformation from like 
act one will to like Prince Charming, you know, like he's not Charlie, you know, he doesn't want to live happily ever after with Noah either, you know, and, um, and I, I feel like in a way it's very much, we see them both in character at the very end, I think when, when Will wants to dance with Noah and Noah's like, mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh boy, do I know this panic of like, Hey, you know, listen, I just really love my space and I'm just really good being yes. single. And I mean, the sex would be great. I mean, look at us, but you know, like I thought all of that was like, I loved all of that coming out. And then, you know, Will says, it's just a dance. And then Noah says, but then what? And he says, yeah, we'll find out. But I, it's, it, it's sort of romantic, but it's also kind of, not cold, but like cryptic. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not it's not a very open response. And I know it's supposed to be this romantic, let's see what happens. But I, I guess I kind of like that even at the very end, it's not like Will and Noah are different people. You know, like they still kind of are who we've seen from the beginning. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I'm just taking this all in too because I Yeah, especially the dance is so romantic because he li- I think Will's line right before they dance is I want that and he points yeah. to like an, an older gay couple and like that's monogamy I hate to tell you Will I um, know but maybe, maybe he's just not ready for monogamy yet I don't know or, or like but yeah it's like and then they dance and then they kiss right and I'd rather them I'd rather him say like I don't know maybe I want that one day and then he points to them and they're still sitting oh, and eventually God, they, they get lost, up yeah. and maybe there's like a you know, a glance, but then Bowen interrupts and then they have a dance party. You know, that would have been, but it also works the way it is too. But like when you're breaking that down, it just sounds, I don't know, like some contradictions going on, but I, I do like that they stay the same. Well, and I think, you know, you could certainly look at that scene where he points to the older couple. The only time we see like older, older gays in this movie, and it's like, there's way more like, you know, senior senior gays on fire island for sure yeah you think can afford those houses but you know what it made me think of is like you could look at it as like this kind of romantic hint of like oh that's what he wants and he's just being brooding and romantic about it like sure that's a probably a, a very likely reading of this if i were to bring my subjective eye to it i also feel like you know the whole concept of like a situationship which is like to be yeah, honest, I love that. it's kind of my, I think it's my wheelhouse. I think it's sure. just about where I, that's where I function best. You know, like I, after four months, God help you, you know, but like four months, man, I can run <laughs> that thing like a Walmart, uh, 24 hours. And so, yeah. um, but the thing about a situationship is in a way, I think you sort of cosplay a relationship. And you kind of do it, and in a way, not that you you do a fast-forward relationship, but you you run the life cycle of a relationship in a short period of time. And they talk about this in the movie, that like time works very different on Fire Island. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like in a way... But it's all it's it's a it's a construct. It's not real. Like there's you know, you may feel like a week has gone by on Fire Island, but it's still just Tuesday and the rest of the world. And so I feel like this this concept at the end and I'm really interpreting here. I don't even I don't know if this is what the movie was intending, but I'm 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 running to home base here. I'm going all the way all the way May. But (laughs) I am a little dirt in the skirt and I think I'll get there. But there we go. I I feel like there is something 
where they are kind of cosplaying this moment of being this romantic couple dancing on the pier, uh, but it's you're you're just kind of doing it in this weird time warp where you spent you've known each other for the better part of a week and you've spent all this time together. It's as if you've had you know a yes. forty year relationship, you know, and and you are that old couple. But no, as soon as you go home, you're not that couple, you know. But in the moment in the Pines bubble. You can pretend, you can cosplay that, you know? I love that theory. I really do. I think it's like, yeah, it's like, it's still theirs. You know, it's still that, like, they still have ownership of, like, whatever that is. And then, like, like, I mean, Noah says, too, like, that bubble that you mentioned, too, like, it's going to pop. And it's mm-hmm. like every vacation is like this in some way, too, especially when there's just, like, an island crawling with gay men. And I think it's almost like, as fun as it is, as fun as it, is it could also be, like, super stressful and toxic and just like all the other things that we're talking about too but like and that's what i mean essentially that's what the movie's about too it's like things start to go wrong as soon as they get there i love that he i forgot to mention this but i love that noah drops his phone in the pool a nightmare mm-hmm. though like you can't get on grinder you can't text your friends you can't like call in like an uber or whatever like um but i love that that in turn allows will to write him that letter and i'm like oh what a clever way of doing this yeah so cute yeah it was really i thought that was so genius they found a really organic way to still incorporate like a letter from mr darcy so to speak yes that was really really great and and it made sense i think that means a, a lot you know to to not be on your phone and you know, and certainly in Fire Island where like, yeah, having grinder in Fire Island, I mean, fish meet barrel, you know what I mean? Like it's just, uh, so, but I mean, there is also the idea of like, by the very end, Noah, you know, I think he says to Conrad was like, was I wrong about everything? And it's like, would he have seen any of that if he had his phone to disappear to, which sounds so mundane, but like we all do that, but boy, did gay men do that, you know? Yeah. I, it's interesting to think of, yeah, like what would the what would the movie look like if he had the phone? But I, I, I love that we got that, and I, it just kind of disarms him from the beginning, I guess. Um, Noah, that is. Mm-hmm. I, want to, I want to talk about um, Charlie James Scully from if you watched the TV show Y'all You. Oh, <laughs> he's in You season two, which I did not watch that show, but um. Keon was talking about it. he's like oh he's from you and I was like oh and then I looked it up and lo and behold he was and has a total different you know character arc he's like a serial killer or something I don't know I didn't watch it but um I think he has such Jonathan Groff energy you know oh my god this is a different movie I, yeah I was literally gonna say I thought it was Jonathan Groff for yeah. a while uh, <laughs> if you can't I get was, Jonathan Groff get James Scully get, get, get James Scully I literally just googled Jonathan Groff to be like am I right about that and then you said it so I <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely big Jonathan Groff energy yeah, and I I think he's adorable and like a really good actor. Like I I for as much as it is that sort of cheesy rom-com moment, which we told we were like kind of told that we were going to get. That's why I can like let everything slide because it's like they're they're making fun of it, but also the irony is that like it's happening to them, but they're also kind of like controlling it in a way cuz you know Noah goes to tell him to like get on the boat and do the thing. Mm-hmm. But um that last, uh, you know, when Bowen gets off the... Bowen. Um, when... Uh, oh, my Howie. gosh. Howie. I almost said Harold. Look at me go. Oh, my uh, gosh. When he, gets off, when he gets off the boat and, you know, th- the whole scene is just like... 
it's structured so well because like I love that he says I love you and they're like whoa 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 that's that's a lot yeah um it's just fun to see that but I thought he was so good and I always tear up a little bit during that last scene it's so beautiful like what he says to um to Howie it is it's a really sweet moment and I was also thinking and I maybe they talk about this on an episode of Les Culturistas but preceding that the the scene of Howie on the ferry back to the mainland just like looking wistfully out at the water I was like I bet that actress, you know, at Faye Dunaway on Instagram was living to get to film this scene. It's such an oh, actressy yeah. scene of just like, you know, looking sad on the ferry. But um, yeah, I think that Charlie is a is a a very sweet, um, you know, like a very sweet love interest that is dopey certainly and like you know it's kind of like oh have you ever heard of Amy Schumer? But what I loved was that when they when they were playing. Um, what's that game with the with the with the oh heads up heads up when they're playing heads up i liked that charlie knew it was marissa tomei and i liked that he like yep. clapped a little when they did an impression of her i was like that's nuanced that at least charlie knows it's marissa tomei at least it's not like huh i don't know what that is that would have been too easy you know oh yeah i love the heads up scene i mean this is this is my, you know, yeah. my jam. This is the game I'd want to play too. And I played heads up a couple times too, but I do love that like Will's guesses were like Penelope Cruz and then Rosie Perez, yeah. which is like, okay. I mean, I, I, I see I where you're see going. More Rosie Perez. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. Nominated for in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I appreciated that. Uh, yeah. This, I really like this. And I really think like, I mean, it goes into that whole thing of, like, things you're expected to know. Like, gay men have such a thing about, like, you don't know who she is. You oh, haven't yeah. seen that movie. Gay cards. Spoiler alert. There's no gay card. I don't have one. I never had one. I have a Bank of America debit card. That's pretty gay. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like, Will's being a good sport through all of this because you can tell he doesn't, like... I can picture him saying, like, I don't need to go. I don't really want to go. And they make him do it anyway, too. And he's terrible at it. But he's he's a good sports. I, I'm i glad that he still played. And, you know, I like that later in the movie, he's like, I'm not good at parties. I don't do par- I don't do well at parties. And, like, and it was okay. It was like, okay, then leave. You don't have to go, you know? Um, yeah. So I would love to we, – we've mentioned him a bit, but the character of Cooper, played by Nick Adams, yes. is um, – you know, is is it first really just yeah? Is is the Caroline Bingley character is just kind of like in the I guess yeah owns the rich house um, and is very much like the mean, pretty gay. But like the more you look at him, the more you just see like you just like a just like a mean pelican. You know, you're just like an angry <laughs> seagull. You know, yeah. just a like tan pelican. Yeah, yeah, tan pelican. You just it's like it's like somebody yassified Zach Braff, and it's yeah, and and you know I don't know I don't know you know this is not a dig against Nick Adams. He's a very good good looking man, but um, I know his name, but I don't really. He's a Broadway guy. Okay, uh, That's, yeah, yeah. I um, I looked it up yesterday, and I I'll look it up as you talk. I can't remember yeah. which show. Uh, but I think like his function in this movie like even outside of the pride and prejudice lens was really interesting because he you know like when they first get to the house party that like charlie invites them to at the beginning and they walk in and that one guy who like you know his running gag is like can i help you and there's just that moment of like oh are you sure you're in the right place and i thought it was an interesting nuance that then cooper kind of comes to the balcony he's like oh hey there's those cute little people friends we met Yes. It's like I expected Cooper to be like 
to not validate their presence. You know what I mean? So like it, there was something kind of like, oh, are you like, are you one of the nicer mean girls? What's going on here? You know? And yeah. then he kind of just continued to be this like character in the ensemble at the, you know, when they have dinner at Aaron's house and then he's like just on his phone the whole time. And then it's kind of comes out at the underwear party that, uh, you know, he has that whole scene in the bathroom with Noah and, and describes it like Will. He's in te- his, his intention is for Will to be his starter boyfriend in L.A. next year. And yes. um, and he has also the line that I was I was also going to use for my, you know, my opening line on the episode uh, where he says, I'm going to FaceTime my mom before I get too fucked up tonight, which is so like that sounds like my 20s. I totally recognize that. But he yeah. So he ultimately becomes not like. The villain, Dex, is certainly more of the villain in, in the movie. But I liked, I just loved, like, where he lived in the story throughout. It was never about Cooper, but he was definitely, like, a p- very present supporting character. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So many things to say. I, I totally agree. The second watch, it's worth a second watch for Cooper. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I Even the first time when they go to his house... Uh, when they go to the house, excuse me, I think it's, uh, is it Brayden, the guy who's like, can may I help you? Yeah, uh, I think then, so, yeah. Uh, but then Cooper's at the top of the stairs. He's like, hey, girls, come on up. And like Matt Rogers and, um, or uh, I'm trying to use character names here. Luke. Oh my goodness, Keegan and Luke. There we go. Um, they just kind of like run up and start the party. I do love that. And I <laughs> that FaceTime my mom line is so good. And at the, he punctuates it by saying, I forgot her birthday again. Right, <laughs> just, like, right. Just his hands up. But he's like, He's kind of like Regina George meets like um, like Karen from Mean Girls, like the yeah. Seyfried character, like uh, dumb because there's literally a line that um, he like kind of puts Noah in like a pickle where like he's like, and he's kind of hot, don't you think? And Noah's like, yeah, I guess. And he, it's almost like this. So you agree? You think he's really hot? Right, right. At totally. the underwear party, yeah. There's yeah. like shades of like. Like, I love the voiceover stuff. I wasn't sure how I felt about it at the beginning, but I love how it's sort of like, like in Mean Girls, they're spelling out, like they're like the cafeteria showing whatever, like the uh-huh. subsets. And they did that for like the drugs in this movie. You know what I mean? Or even like Clueless, the way that they're setting up everything. And like, there's a voiceover in Clueless and they both work well. And I, I love to think that like Joel Kim Booster, like that's intentional because of those movies. I think, I mean, you would, I, I think it, Maybe you mentioned this before, I don't remember, but I maybe I was just thinking it before, and then I didn't say it. Now I'm saying it. So that's the behind the scenes of this <laughs> there thought. There we go. Uh, glad we got that whole story. But I think that that device of having the voiceover is really um, clever. I mean, like, I think what I was thinking of is you you mentioned that Noah tells us, you know, that, you know, he's going to go to Charlie's house and get him to, you know, make this big romantic gesture to, to win Howie back. And so mm-hmm. we get the romantic comedy moment, but we get it through this subjective Noah lens because he's telling the story. And so you accept those sort of like kind of curves because like, that's how he's telling the story. Like similar to at the dinner party when he looks over and, and in his eyes, you know, Charlie's jerking Howie off at the table, you know, that's so interesting. Is that like you, you get those moments. And then I think in, um, 
in Mean Girls, they use that device at the very end with the new Mean Girls getting hit by the bus. And then Katie's oh, yes. like, oh, just kidding. And in Clueless, I feel like they use that device when there's the wedding at the end. And she's like, ugh, as if. I'm only 17. And <laughs> then it's actually Miss Geist getting married. Yes, yes, yes. And so I love, and obviously Clueless and Fire Island, you know, Clueless is based on Emma and this is based on Pride and Prejudice. Yes, so, like, I love I, that. I love that there there is that kind of meta thing where, you know, you are being told Noah's specific story. You're literally being told the story by Noah. Yeah, it's, it's his story. Absolutely. Um, you said something else. Uh, oh, I do have, before I go into that, um, Nick Adams, uh, he originated the role of, uh, Adam slash Felicia in Priscilla Queen of the Desert on Broadway. Oh, well, good and for uh, amongst other shows, Guys and Dolls, The Pirate Queen, A Chorus Line, and Chicago. We played Mary Sunshine. Did you know that Mary Sunshine was played by uh, a man in the Broadway show? Because I didn't know that for the longest time. Because I'd never, I, I still have not seen Chicago. No, I, I just assumed. Yeah, the Christine Baranski part. Yeah, yes. I mean, in some ways, I was like, well, who other than Christine Baranski? You know, <laughs> yeah. Wendy Malick. Was in this movie, yes, you know? Wendy Malick. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what's funny is that Nick Cooper, Charlie is such a Cooper. Sorry, Nick Cooper. Nick Adams yeah. as Cooper is such a Christine Baranski kind of character and like Christine Baranski kind of energy. I actually wish Cooper was played by Christine Baranski. Oh, God, I know. Yes. Oh. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what this movie needed was Christine Baranski. I would have loved that. Oh. So I'm just looking at my my little notesies if there's any other, I mean, uh, Oh, you know what? We didn't talk about this. I have some random notes. We didn't talk about this before, but I'd be remiss. In terms of Margaret Cho, I think her best acting moment in the movie, it was that scene with Noah when they're talking about Howie that I agree. Oh, I wish that it just like took its time. I wish it was like the scene with the dad at the end of Call Me By Your Name. Yes. I wanted them to be sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Like Erin deserved that level of a scene. But when she says, like, you know, I'm now I'm friends with these boys half my age who just are just friends with me from my house. And then Noah says, no, we love you. And she looks at him and she goes, that's sweet, but you're missing the point. And the way she says that's yeah. sweet and, like, pauses, oh, it was like, Margaret, Maggie, Margie, what are you doing to me? Peg, <laughs> what are you doing to me? So true. I, uh, I agree. Yes. Oh, the one thing I did want to say, because I know we didn't talk, you know, Max is the Mary of uh-huh. the group played by Torian Miller. I mean, one of the funniest lines in the movie actually is when he does some sort of drug at the club and he looks at himself in the mirror and he's like, who is that? Is that me? I'm gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. I oh, I love cackled that. both times. I was so glad he got because that was that was the biggest laugh for me uh, both times, actually, because it, it's unexpected. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, I'm fine and smart and worth it. Like, that was, I think, one of my favorite lines. I think one of my other favorite lines is when they were talking about um, Charlie's ex-boyfriend, Reese, who has slight monkey qualities, let it be known. Um, But they were talking about how, I guess, like, how he was catching them up on the conversation about Reese having Lyme disease. And and this is, I it was like, oh, my God, a Housewives reference. But I love that... um, Keegan goes that, like that thing Yolanda Hadid had because on Beverly Hills she had Lyme. Oh, disease. I was gonna say I didn't know who that was, but I'm glad they got some housewives in there. Yes, it was such like a a dumb perfect response to someone with Lyme disease. Oh my God, that thing Yolanda Hadid had because th- what's really funny about that is that the whole, there was a whole season of Beverly Hills 
where started by Rinna, um, there were suggestions that it was Munchausen's disease and that it, she was making oh. it up. And so it was this whole point of contention. Did she even have Lyme disease? And so that's even funnier that like, that's, I just, <gasps> Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, that it was like a, a reference to like, Oh, uh, you know, she didn't. She might have not even had it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you get the Animorphs reference? Because I loved that. Do you remember Animorphs? I remember that. When was that? When did that happen? I mean, I feel like it makes sense for, like Joel Kim Booster's generation, even though they're not too far behind us. That right. Three year age gap. Um. But I remember them. Like when I worked at Barnes and Noble, I remember them. They were like, I don't know. They were like a step above. Like. They came out much later than like Goosebumps. Oh, I know what Animorphs are. I'm just, when was that reference in the movie? Oh, sorry, sorry. He was talking about, um, uh, he said, oh, you're reading Alice Monroe. And he's like, yeah, I blazed through Animorphs already. Oh, yeah. And that made me laugh. That made me laugh. I wouldn't have been mad at a Fear Street reference or a Goosebumps reference because I love the word goose, but I'll take Animorphs. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think other, you know what? The other thing I wanted to say was I loved and I mean, loved the music in this movie. Oh, same. Oh, yes. Keep going. It yes. was like this kind of electronic version of the kind of classical music you'd hear in like a, a you know, a three-part Pride and Prejudice miniseries, you know? And like, it was so rarely just like dance remixes, you know? Because normally gay movies are just bad dance remixes on the soundtrack. And I thought it was, the music was Oh God, it was so good in this. I was so, yeah. and I just, it, I don't know. That was the second time I watched this. I was like, wow. I mean, music makes a big difference. Like horror movies are a perfect example of how effective music can be. And I think the sort of emotional intelligence of the music in this movie helped elevate it. I 100% agree. And I will take this even further. And maybe there was some cringe on your part, but I think, I really think that, um, the the sometimes the, the karaoke scene is perfect. It's like the only yeah. way that you can do it because it's like they say it's tradition. We do it every year. So they tell you that like this isn't just something we're going to do and it's going to be like perfect and the harmonies are great. And it also makes perfect sense that um uh that Luke and Keegan are like former musical theater kids because they're so over the top. They're almost trying to steal the spotlight. Like Matt Rogers is singing just a little bit too loud, but uh-huh. it's perfect. I I love it. I love that. I think there's even a part, and I can't remember the lyric, but it's early in the song when Howie sings one of kind of the opening lines, and I think Luke goes sad. You know, like <gasps> comments almost from the from the you know the side. Uh, I think she. I think he says sing. That's what the subtitle oh, says. Sing. sing. Oh, the way oh. Said, sing. I thought it was more of one of those like oh so sad. Oh, um, it could be yeah, it could you be know? too. But I thought it said sing. I don't know. Uh, um, but yeah, no. That I, honestly, that scene did not make me cringe. I I thought Aaron was really. There's this great little. It's a micro moment, but it's a. Uh, it's you know. It's a non. You don't hear it. You can only see Max and. Aaron interacting at the table and I think he says to her like oh he's really good and then she kind of just goes mm, yeah huh and it's this incredibly Aww. organic like moment that I don't know I just she was uh, it's that's a thing you know because I will probably watch this movie again this is like something to put on in the background but she yes. is such a delight during the karaoke scene they only cut to her like three times but she's just she's an adorable delight during that scene yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up. I think I need to. Uh, I think like the next time I watch it, I'll be paying attention to Margaret. I think Aaron. so. I think she really yeah. is is a, a special character. Um, oh my god, I'm looking at my notes and I'm realizing that we have been remiss for an hour and twenty minutes to not <gasps> mention 
alum of the podcast, John Roberts as the Cheez-Its guy at the pantry. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I did not catch that at all. In an amazing tiny role, yelling at this like girl working at the pantry about $11 Cheez-Its and how upset. And like uh, this felt to me like fully realized in like seven seconds, this character. He was so funny. And it was John Roberts. Oh, my God. This feels like Glenn Close and Hook. You know Uh what I mean? Like uh that sort of like I did not. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, That's it's awesome. so perfect. And in, in a way, it like made me want to see more of Fire Island with characters like that, you know? Um, oh, yeah, the older generation. Because yeah. originally, so this movie was originally supposed to be a series on Quibi uh, called Trip. Oh, my gosh. And it makes me think like, oh, you could expand this to be like a whole season as a summer at Fire Island with all these different stories and characters, you know? Oh, yeah, but and, and but in a way, like, Thank God. Thank God we got this instead. Well, yeah. I mean, thank God it wasn't Quibi because it would have been, yeah. you know, so long quibs. But And there's a Quibi joke in the movie. Right, right. I line, love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, being an early investor of Quibi. But, um, yeah, so I, I, it made me feel like, yes, this is only telling one story about one group of friends. But, like, there could be more stories on Fire Island about different people. I'm fine with that too. I think Fire Island is a is a fascinating location. I have very like living in New York. I've been there once and it was fun. It was fine. It was nice. It was it was I mean, I felt like in one weekend I was like, well, I guess rinse and repeat and that's Fire Island. Like I think I did everything other than like I didn't have sex on Fire Island because I was in a relationship. I was in a long distance okay. relationship. And I, we were monogamous. And so I did not follow my birthright, as Noah says, did not have sex on yeah. Fire Island. But, you know, I'm not a husk yet. You know, there's still hope for me. But I, and I haven't come to a conclusion on any of it, but I have such mixed feelings about Fire Island. I think there's part of me that is like, oh, my God, I want to go this summer. Oh, I want to be a part of it. Oh, you know, somewhere there's a place for me, you know? And then there's a part of me that's like, what am I chasing after? You know what I mean? Like, what am I trying to, what am I, is it, is it, what is it? Like, is this something I want to do? Is this something I want people to know I did? Like, what's the point of this? And, you know, I don't know the conclusion to that, but I'm, it's probably just this ongoing reprogramming that I've been having lately about being a gay man where I'm just like, do I really not like the, do I really not like dancing at weddings or is that a me problem? You know what I mean? Like I'm going through all of that right now. <laughs> I know. I mean, I feel I I I it made me want to go too. I think that was kind of like where everyone in one form or unless you just like hated the movie right. um that you don't want to go and you know, you can be a stubborn uh turtle about it. But I I do I think there is a place for everyone. You know what I mean? And and I think like my approach would be like, all right, Maybe I'll watch a little bit of like what I eat beforehand because I that would just like automatically be an impulse to lose some weight. But I would do uh-huh. that no matter where I went, to be honest. Like if I knew I had a big like vacation coming up, like at the beach or like a cruise, I would do it anyway. Just like trim up a bit. I don't know to what yeah. extent. And then I would just like, honestly, I want to just go and dance somewhere. Like, but <laughs> again, that's your nightmare. So it's like. Uh, well, but know. also to go get like fucked up and like just have a good time and sit on the couch and laugh and talk about like whatever like that like there's different nights to be had right like i actually think like certainly the heads up night and you know dinners and all that like that'd be super fun um 
But, you know, it's like there is a part of me that's like, I mean, I've certainly in the past, in my 20s, when I drank a lot more, I went out a lot more. I danced a lot. I yeah. I was, I don't know, this is not like a brag. This is like the girl who taps her hand on the table at weddings was not leading the conga line years ago, but wasn't afraid of it, you know? Oh, and yeah. After six vodka sodas, you know? Uh, sure. And so, but there is that part of me that's like, you know, what am I what am I afraid of? It's like when we talked about social anxiety on the best sporting after show last week, it's like, what, yeah. what are you, what exactly are you afraid of? Cause like the reality is, and I think Will says this to Noah in the rain scene, like the reality is no one's really thinking about yes. you that much, you know? Yeah. So like even no one, most, especially on fire Island, these people don't give a shit about you, but I'll say this when I was there, my big takeaway was like, man, everyone's really friendly here in like a really genuine way that like, I'm, and they're all New Yorkers. It's so weird. So I guess my conclusion is, like, there is a part of me that, like, wants this experience. But I also know that, like, I only want it if I can have my own villa on the beach or else it's like, fuck it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to you gotta have your own bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's there are stipulations. Yes, I, I agree. There was something I, I, I think, too, it's like just the, the idea of being somewhere and to be completely yourself and to, like, like hold Keon's hand walking down the street and to just like not worry about it is just, I've only had like one other um, like truly, you know, like fire Island vibe moment, I guess is when I went to Provincetown for like a mm. day. Um, and I was just like, Oh my God, it's like, you're living in this. I, it, it probably ties into like, you know, the whole idea of fire Island as well too. It's like this like bubble and time moves differently. But like, I felt like I was on like the set of a movie. It was just so great to be there and so cool. And to kind of like shed that skin of whatever it is to just go and have fun and like go on vacation. I think just like simplify it, but like, I'm going to go on vacation and it happens yeah. to be a fire Island and let's do the same shit that we would do anyway. And I think that's also part of it. It's like, you know, you still have to make it your own. Let's go to Fire Island next summer. Colin, I think we it. should. I think that'd be super fun. <laughs> we'll, we'll get a, a huge house. I'll have one wing. You and Kian will have the other wing. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll, you know, we'll we'll see if we have a, you know, we can invite someone to stay on the porch, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Once. Once. Um, <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, the best supporting beach house. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, I mean, you know, it's like this, I feel like, uh, between this episode and the All Right Mary episode and even like the Gaycations episode that we did on Patreon and All Right Mary and and even some of our best supporting after show stuff, I feel like I'm just uh, really kicking off gay pride just with so many, so much processing on air of my existence as a gay man. So Mm -hmm. thank you, uh, to listeners and to you for, um, Doing the job my non-existent therapist is is not doing because yeah these you know. are the conversations that we have I yeah. I love it yeah well I think that also means that we might be actually getting oh we're getting played off we're getting played Ooh, off maybe yeah. it's one of the Fire Island songs from that's the what I'm hoping soundtrack. Let's uh, hope. yeah I slipped a buffalo nickel to the orchestra the conductor um but uh we'll see what happens in the meantime where can folks find more of you they can find me on my other two podcasts uh the good vanilla which is a barefoot contessa podcast and the squirrel friends cocktail hour which uh where amanda kaczynski and myself are recapping all star seven of rupaul's drag race and you can follow me on instagram and twitter at nick kuchanov how about you 
Well, you can find more of me on my other two podcasts in the details, A Celebration of Nuance or All Right, Mary, where, yes, you can hear me have a whole other conversation about Fire Island. You can also hear me uh, and Johnny also talking about All Star 7 uh, while you're also listening to this girlfriend talk about All Star 7. So uh, it's a lot of parallel experiences, parallel mothers. But um, you can <laughs> parallel also pods. parallel podcasts. Where are you, Pedro? I've got a whole new idea for you. It's called yeah. parallel podcasts. And so, um, but you can also find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore, and you can get more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA pod. Or you can send us an email at the BSA pod at gmail.com. And of course, keep your peepers peeled because coming right up, uh, we are about to record the Best Sporting After Show, exclusive on Patreon. So if you are not a BSA Patreon, now is a fabulous time to join us on patreon.com slash BSA pod, where every week not only will you get early access to episodes just like this, you will also get access to our Best Supporting After Show, where we catch up on things that we've been watching, doing, eating, thinking about. Sometimes we go real deep. Sometimes we talk about really stupid shit. We always check in on assignments we give each other, BSAs of the week. And then we just kind of tiptoe the fuck out of there. And you don't even know we've left until your phone runs out of battery. But anyway, that's at patreon.com slash PSA pod. Wow. That was that was impressive. I was like, Thank oh, you. my gosh. And that's yeah. the night the lights yeah. went out in Georgia. <laughs> I know. That was my Dixie Carter plug for, for Patreon. That. Yeah. Um, and that, as they say, is that.